0: I want to clear something up with you in my sermons when I say what about you you know when I'm talking about faith or good works my point of doing that is is not to make you feel guilty for not doing something or not doing enough or burden your conscience what I'm asking you to do is a little self-examination you know in light of a text or a point that God is making in his word now I realize that in self-examining ourselves Perhaps guilt is unavoidable. So I understand there's a risk of that anytime I say, What about you? Lutheran preaching is is so externally oriented. You know, it's all about the outside Word of God coming in for you, to you, going into your ears, and then going into your heart, and the Holy Spirit promising to do whatever work He wills in you. But sometimes a little reality check seems Like it should be in order, you know? Like, you know, are we alive here? Are we responding to what God has done for us? So, every now and then I like to ask you to think about that. Well, wouldn't you say today's gospel reading is a reality check? hmm? I am not going to ask you today, what about you (laughs) for any of this stuff, Jesus says. I know we've all experienced and lived some of these things, if not all of them. And you'd have to be pretty aloof or be paying no attention or care at all about what's going on here not to take stock of yourself in these words. Like I said, this is still part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's going to go on for a while longer and we're not going to cover all of it in Epiphany. But this part seems somehow like it's all law, you know. Like, where's the gospel in this? Don't do this. Don't do that. Or this is going to happen. Well, it's helpful if we see this text today in the bigger light of what it means to be or to live as Christians. And that's what we're going to do. Going to try anyways. (laughs) Now, the other day, I'm watching this reality show on TLC, and one of the guests was uh, from a fire and brimstone preachers family and i thought wow you know you don't hear that much anymore do you fire and brimstone you know i picture fire and brimstone preachers you know as like something from the 1800s you know from the restoration movement or jonathan edwards and the and the puritans but today some ministers still preach that way typically not a lutheran preaching style however martin luther Says in no uncertain terms that the church must rebuke evil. How else are people to know what is sin and what is not? You know, what are God's standards of living for maintaining bodily and spiritual health and relationships? Seems kind of funny that, you know, a preacher would get up in in these closed walls with congregation whom he assumes are people of faith, right, and knows this at least by their outward external actions and confessions. Why aren't we rebuking evil out in public, out in the public square? Well, we should be doing that, and we do, but also how are we to know what is sin and what is not? Because left on our own way of thinking and living, then there's nothing but you've got nothing but chaos and confusion and anything is permissible. Now this difficult reading from Matthew doesn't describe how to attain righteousness and purity of the heart by doing the right thing. That's not what this is about. It's describing how you and I, as citizens of God's kingdom, live because of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. It's it's a responsive way of living. So, Jesus begins to talk about murder, adultery, divorce... And oaths with, you have heard it said that, which means the disciples have some knowledge. They have some previous knowledge of some rules, (laughs) mainly the Ten Commandments and the laws of Moses. But they also have something else, a little added something. The knowledge and the traditions of the day, of the culture, (coughs) that comes down and is monitored and, 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 and uh, is uh, uh, administered by the scribes and the Pharisees. These are very popular morals and ethics at the time with the people of Jerusalem and Judea. Now, <clears throat> do you believe it's true that when we think of, ancient, of the ancient world, we think people were stricter with their morals and behavior? I think it makes sense to think that way because if you live in this country for more than 20 years, you see morals become more lax. So it must mean that the further you go back in time, the stricter things get because you get closer to those original, rigid moral standard behaviors such as no sex outside of marriage, no fooling around once you are married, marriage is between one man and one woman, no abusing each other, no divorce, and those kinds of things which are, well, they're, they're more lax today, right? But that's not necessarily the case, and this text shows it. It's hard to fathom that in Judea, at the time of Jesus, when the, when the, when the Jewish scribes and the Pharisees were walking around keeping tabs on people with their legalism, things were getting more and more lax. Adultery was punishable by stoning, but people were doing it any, lots of people were doing it anyways, and getting away with it. And at certain times, the scribes and the Pharisees would turn a blind eye. Divorce had become easier because there were all these situations that the Pharisees had to deal with day in and day out, and it wore them down, and they got lax on divorce. And breaking oaths had become easier. If God's rigid morals had remained intact, he, Jesus wouldn't have to rebuke anything, see? But here he condemns these things because they break relationships. And they break people's relationships with him. Jesus rebukes the evil of murder because it breaks a relationship. That's kind of a no-brainer, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, take a life, A relationship between someone is broken. And it doesn't only happen when someone actually takes another one's life. It happens even in the words and in the attitudes of of the heart. You heard it said that you shall not murder. But Jesus says everyone who is angry with another has done the same thing. Now not all anger is murder. Murder. But when it's intended to hurt or harm another person and not for the purpose of seeking good and well-being, well, it would appear from the text that it's deserving of some pretty severe consequences, wouldn't you say? Look, for those of you who have never had a bad thought toward anyone, you are blessed. But then there's the rest of us. You've known me, you know me for seven years now, and I hope that you've seen in me that I am not angry at anyone. I give thanks to God for that because of the new heart He's created in me. It wasn't always that way. At 19 years old, I had to work with a guy I absolutely hated. I never laid a hand on him, but I had really bad thoughts toward him. It came from the heart. Just as Jesus says. For no reason other than I didn't like the things that this guy said and the way he said them. You know, it was, a, it was a control thing. I couldn't control him. It was evil. And I don't even like to tell you about that, but I do it because it's a testimony to the truth of what Jesus says. It's true. And he rebukes evil and wants to change people's hearts. He did that for me and perhaps you can relate. That's why I bring up the sins of my youth. I've got a lot more I can share with you, but no, I won't. (laughs) Jesus is saying to you and to me, don't neglect your relationship with your fellow disciples. We who follow Jesus will repent and turn away from our sin, That's that's the responsive part of living as a Christian. We'll seek to reconcile with our brothers and sisters in Christ. If that's not happening, don't sit back and watch others forgive and be forgiven, and their relationship with one another and Jesus be healed and restored. You can have it too. Don't be locked out of the kingdom. You've heard it said, "You shall you shall not commit adultery." But Jesus says everyone who ever looks at another has already done it in his heart. And notice Jesus uses the male as the example. You know, because all us men are dogs, right? But hey, women aren't exempt. We know there are at least a couple adulterous women in Scripture. Maybe more. Again, however, for those of you who made it through puberty and emerged from it having stepped into adulthood with purity of body and mind like a prince or princess in a disney movie stepping out onto the ballroom floor for their first dance together and their first kiss well blessed are you then there's the rest of us god wants there to be purity in marriage between a man and a woman not just in outward things but in with inner thoughts as well what a struggle That is, I mean, what an impossibly difficult standard that is to obey. So we humans do things like change the rules. Make them more lax so that it's no longer a struggle. But that doesn't change the fact that relationships still get broken. And that's a sin Jesus rebukes it's not the eyeball itself that sins it's not the hand operating with its own mind that sins those body parts and more respond to what comes from the heart so tear the heart out and throw it away right that's what we really need is a clean heart a new heart and that is exactly what jesus gives you and me a heart transplant Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. This is also part of the response of living as Christians. you know? And it doesn't always happen overnight. It could take years, right? We are stubborn. We are not quick to change or to let God change us, but it happens. And God creates in us a new heart. I saw a huge billboard sign off of I-5 between Portland and Seattle that said, God hates divorce. Nothing else, just, just that. And I'm thinking, well, what are these people that put up this sign trying to say? If you're thinking about getting a, vo- a divorce, don't do it because God will be angry with you? I mean, are they trying to save a few marriages? What about the people who fear and love God but who are already divorced. Maybe two or three times over. I don't like that sign. It doesn't say enough. It doesn't give the whole picture. It's true, but it's also true sometimes a relationship as bonding as a marriage has to be broken in order for one or both to survive or to even get through this life intact and one piece and that's not God's fault that's our fault nevertheless Jesus rebukes this sin marriage between a man and a woman is not an invention of the state or society but a gift given to us by God even before the fall of creation and so Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount Jesus is confronting the popular notion that it's no big deal It's no big deal to get married, or it's no big deal to even get divorced. And when it comes to the words, our speech matters. Don't use words lightly, is what Jesus is saying. Don't take oaths lightly. Be careful what you say. Let your words be your bond. Let yes mean yes, and no mean no. Don't be deceitful, and don't have an inflated view of your own importance. Don't let Satan, the father of all lies, deceive you from the truth. Rather, let your words speak the truth. And remember your humble position before God. All this, all these four things in this text today sound impossible, don't they? And it feels heavy and burdensome and troublesome. But the good news is, it's a picture of what salt and light looks like. It's a picture of you and me, Christians, living together under one Lord who knows our limitations, He knows our sin, and paid the price for it with His own life in our place. There's forgiveness for murder from the heart. There is forgiveness for adultery from the heart. There is forgiveness from breaking your word from the heart. You've gotten it here today. You have it right now. And you will again next Sunday. And the Sunday after that. And the Sunday after that. Do we still sin and fall short of God's expectations for His children? Yes. But because we have the One who fights for us, the One who stands with us, and has won the victory over sin, has won the victory over these troublesome things that He rebukes, we repent, and our attitudes and our hearts are changed in word and deed. When Jesus, in your, with Jesus in your life, He gives you His Spirit to turn away from sin and live in peace with one another, loving and serving one another as Christ continues to love and forgive us. So take heart. Our text today is not all law. There is gospel in there because Jesus continues to love and forgive us. Amen.